Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to another episode of First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast for PrideofDetroit.com. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief at PrideofDetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, co-hosting First Bite is Ryan Matthews, senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing this Wednesday night? You know what? I'm I'm sick and tired of talking about myself already. Let's let's get the guest in here because I'm excited to have this guy back. He's he, one of our favorites. He is, and and I he's one of the favorites that cover the NFL in general for me. And I I, I know I sometimes sounds like I say that every week, but I, I definitely definitely mean it with this one. He is the uh, the beat writer for the Minnesota Vikings for the Athletic. It's Arif Hassan at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. Arif, welcome back, bud. Hey, what's going on? I love being like the favorite, but for real, but no, for real, for real, but for real, for real. (laughs) There's a disclaimer with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Arif, let's, let's jump into it. The Minnesota Vikings are one in three. Uh, They've had some interesting games up, uh, you know, an overtime game, uh, their, their classic missed field goal game. Um, But I want to start with the defense because the defense is a little more interesting to me. Um, Last year was, a huge anomaly for a Mike Zimmer, Zimmer defense. I think they usually give up somewhere between 19 and 21 points per game. It was near 30 last year. Um, what's the outlook now? Um, it feels like they they went through a lot of changes. I, and and it seemed like, and, and you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like you were kind of skeptical of their offseason strategy on the defensive side of the ball. Um, how has that p- panned out? Uh, and, and do you think it's it's a lot better? It looks like it's a little better at least. Yeah, I mean, skeptical is kind of like a relative term, right? Because I didn't think that they would repeat their, like, awful performance from last year, but I didn't think they'd be, like, good either, right? So from the perspective of, like, a Zimmer defense, yeah, I was definitely skeptical. Um, From the perspective of their ability to improve their play, I thought that that was going to happen whether or not they made a bunch of moves. I think it's a little bit more likely um, now that they have made a bunch of moves. They are playing at about the level, I guess, that I would expect. Um, Okay. Individually, some of the players have surprised me in one direction or another. Um, So uh, I I guess they kind of cancel out in that respect. Um, But I think like an EPA per play, they're like 15, 16, 17, something like that, right? So they're about average league-wide. And then I don't have to worry about, you know, including or excluding garbage time because apparently every second matters this year for the Vikings. Right. (laughs) Um, So uh, that that probably just kind of holds true generally. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the the overall idea of grabbing uh, a bunch of fairly established players for 
a level of talent that they have not recently established, right? Like, you know, Patrick Peterson, for example, was having uh, a pair of fairly awful years before heading into Minnesota um, or players that you might be worried might be playing out of position like Dalvin Tomlinson, for example, is playing like three technique. I don't know about that. Um, you know, all of that, uh, the addition of Everson Griffin, who didn't play very well. Uh, I think, you know, you're familiar with that. Sure. Um, I, you know, it's just like a bunch of stuff where I'm just like, I see the upside and some of these players will hit their upside. Some of them definitely won't. Right. Bashad Breeland's super up and down over the course of his entire career. Uh, lows are very low. Highs are pretty high. Um, one of those that thus far, you know, I would say is not hitting kind of the upside, but Everson Griffin is hitting his upside. Right. Patrick Peterson, I guess, kind of is yeah, for the most part, you know, it's kind of hard to tell when people are targeting Bashad Breeland a bunch, but um yeah, some of these players like DJ Wanham not hitting his upside. Some of these players that that uh, they've kept are are not playing as well as they did last year. Some of these players that uh, they've added are are performing much better than they did in in other systems or in other teams. So overall, a lot of this cancels out, but it has resulted in just a better defense that um, doesn't look like. I mean, Vikings fans have a conception of defense that is like very unforgiving, just because of their experience with Zimmer, right. and so. You know, last year's defense was an abomination, but this year's defense is like super disappointing. And it's like kind of hard to say, well, I mean, it's a league average defense. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's not. Look at like they just gave up another 40 yarder. And it's like, well, average defense is well on occasion. <laughs> give up a 40 yard. I don't know what to tell you. Like that happens. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah uh, it's it's fine. It's like it's got a higher success rate than average defenses typically do, I would say. But they are worse at giving up some explosives. So it, it also the way that that works also happens to convince people to remain skeptical because you remember the explosive plays. You don't remember like five yard run after five yard run after five yard run, right. um, you know, until it becomes like so thematically obvious that you can't ignore it. So that's part of it, too. But, yeah, it's it's an average defense that for the most part does well down to down, but just uh, will give up a big play here or there and, and kind of cancel out a lot of their success. Yeah, so as we mentioned, Arif Hassan from The Athletic, uh, I'm going to reference an athletic article that I read before the season. It was early August, talking about ranking every NFL defense from 1 to 32. Uh, uh, they had the Vikings at number feel, one, and it was... <laughs> I, I, I tried to tell him. I tried warning him. I was like, you don't want to do this, man. Don't do it. So, but, but essentially, so the premise from that article, just to peel the curtain back a little bit, is that the Vikings just, their struggles on defense last year could be attributed to them having terrible injury luck. And, and they lost Anthony Barr last year for, you know, a majority of the season with that pectoral injury. He's missed the first four games of the season with, with a knee injury, but it looks like he's going to, be playing uh, against the Lions this week. What kind of boost is Anthony Barr going to provide for the Vikings defense? Do you see him being a, a, you know, a big enough difference maker that maybe he might help swing that league average defense to, to being, you know, maybe not the best defense in the NFL, but you know, top five, top 10. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say in Shields defense, I think the rest of that top five is borne out thus far. Like you made a bold prediction with the Broncos too. And they're like number two in EPA per play. Right. So yeah. like, heck yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll give them that. But um, I, I just thought that was very funny. I know with Anthony Barr specifically, I think that he brings a lot that is kind of difficult to capture in a lot of the way that we tend to look at linebackers. Uh, even, um, and I say even because I actually do respect him a lot for pro football focus grading has been, I think further down on Anthony Barr than his actual impact is for a defense. Uh, and the biggest way that he impacts defenses is that he just absolutely ruins protection schemes. 
uh, even if he's not rushing the passer, his capability and the tendency for him to rush the passer changes the way that offensive linemen and quarterbacks assign protections such that you tend to create a lot of one-on-one matchups for players like Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, and so on. So um, he does a lot to kind of help on passing downs in that respect. And then also like the fact that he's like fine in the run game, some years he's really good. Some years he's only average, but largely he's fine in the run game is a pretty big upgrade over the backups that they've had. I mean, Eric Wilson is, or was a disastrous run defender last year for the Vikings. And I think Eagles fans are seeing that now. Uh, And Nick Vigil is like a pretty decent coverage linebacker who just gets swallowed up in the run game. Like he either is generating a tackle for loss or he's blown 40 yards off the ball. And you can work with that so long as the balance there is right. And it's not, it's not right. The balance is not good. It's he has a couple of tackles for loss and he's a couple of tackles near the line of scrimmage where, where I think if you just kind of take a look at it, just had a glimpse or kind of casually, you think, wow, he's having a really good game. And then you watch him for the whole game and you're like, this dude's getting beat up, man. This is nuts. <laughs> uh, and so part of the reason that there are explosive runs is because Vigil can't get off of these blocks. So I think Barr does a lot to help with the run defense, um, which I, I think uh, is, is worth kind of discussing on its own in a little bit. But uh, in general, um, having Anthony Barr out there, just it, it helps a lot and also prevents confusion because he's the guy with the green dot. He calls the plays in. He's very experienced with that. He's very familiar, familiar and comfortable with the Zimmer defense. Yeah. You, well, you led us into the next topic nicely. Let's talk about that run defense. Um, looks like probably no Michael Pierce this game. Um, I know he didn't play last week either. Um, and, you know, the, the Vikings defense where I think, you know, run defense is, is one of the tenants of it. 4.8 yards per carry so far allowed this season um, what's been going on there and how big of a loss would Michael Pierce be if he can't go this week? Uh, this is like a kind of a perfect example of, uh, of the way that the, the defense is being kind of like run or operated, right? Because the rushing success rate for the Vikings defensively is, is not bad. Like it's, it's pretty decent, especially when you consider the fact that like they play the Cleveland Browns who have like the best rushing success right. rate, the second best, I think. Um, when you take a look at, you know, the Viking rush, rushing success rate defensively, it's about league average. It's a little bit below league average, but the EPA that they've given up is like catastrophically bad. Uh, and that is in part because of explosives, right? So they, the, the Browns ran the ball on third and 20, which I mean, first of all, why would you do that? That's like giving up, but the worst is that they converted it like that. Jesus. That's bad. <laughs> and so there's that there's like a couple of nine and 12 yard runs. And then there was a bunch of one yard runs, right. Which with the Nick Chubb cream hunt led offense. Yeah. You can, you could, you could yeah. work with that. Right. So um, I, I think that for the most part, the run defense is uh, we, when the season started, people were asking me, is the defensive line playing poorly against the run? And I said, no. And they're like, well, then why are they giving up like five yards a pop? And it's because a bunch of people are missing tackles. Yeah. I don't really care that much if defensive linemen are missing tackles. If that builds up, that's a problem. But usually if they miss a tackle, they've slowed down the runner enough that there's like a one yard or two yard tackle waiting from somebody else. When a linebacker misses a tackle, that's not the same thing. Right. Nick Vigil's missed a lot of tackles this year. Um, Eric Kendricks has missed a lot more tackles than you'd expect for a player of his caliber. Bashad Breland is being tasked with the run game. I mean, actually, I think one of the only run defense corner that misses more tackles than him might be AJ Parker. Like it's just that dude is bad, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. But I mean, he's an undrafted rookie. Let's, yeah, let's I mean, move. okay. Yeah, fair And he's also 
he's also puts himself in the right position a lot. Just yeah. No, yeah, okay, and that's that's true and that's fair. But he's not making the tackles. Right. Uh, Bashad Breland not making the tackles. Xavier Woods not making the tackles. So it's mm-hmm. missed tackles more than it is people in the wrong spot or wrong defensive line alignment. Not having Michael Pierce is really big. He's been a really big part of their successful uh, run. Like one of the ways that teams will uh, run against the Vikings is that they'll put themselves into a formation or they'll find a drive where Michael Pierce is not on the field and then go into hurry up so that he can't substitute in. Mm-hmm. And then they run on that. So teams know how effective he is in the run game. And I think for, I, I was able to check his on-off splits like two games in the season, and the Vikings' rush success rate was like something like 30%, which would rank third uh, in the NFL when he was on the field. So like that's a big part of it. So having him not there for an entire game can be pretty catastrophic, but really the bigger issue is, is just the ability to tackle. And Eric Hendricks has made more tackles the past two games um, versus missed in, in the first two games. So that I just kind of expect to clear up Anthony Barr, uh, some years he misses a lot of tackles. Some years he misses very few of them. I don't really know how to predict which year that's going to be. <laughs> um, but I expect he'll do a better job than Nick Vigil in that respect. So um, losing Michael Pierce, gaining Anthony Barr, I think that's a net loss for the run defense, but it's probably not going to be as big of a loss as um, you would initially think. And, and I, I guess my, my my lingering question that I have about the Vikings' pass defense is just the the changes that have transpired over like one off season, right? Like the, they bring in Patrick Peterson um, of the 15 draft picks that they had in the 2020 draft. I'm sure you're well familiar with, with that, uh, that debacle Arif. We talked about that before on the podcast, but um, speaking of debacles, like Jeff Gladney, you know, getting released from yeah. the team. I mean, it, it seemed like there was so much changeover in that secondary. Like when it comes to, you know, the, the struggles that the Vikings have had in terms of generating a pass rush, obviously there's this inextricable, um, you know, uh, correlation between pass rush and, and pass defense, but like how have the Vikings held up against pass defenses um, so far this year? And um, tell us why they're going to shut down the lions this week. <laughs> um, yeah. They're like, their drop back EPA is like 10th in the league. Like they're, they're pretty good relatively speaking, um, defensively in, in the past game. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that's despite the fact that like every full game that Bashad Breland has played, he's given up like 100 yards. One of those games was in garbage time. Like I don't like, you know, uh, against Seattle, it's just like, yeah, okay. I, I mean, you know, Seattle scored 17 points. So like who cares? Right. But um, that is kind of a concern. Uh, Cameron Dancer has come in and he's given up fewer yards per route run or I guess snapping coverage. Um, but it's been kind of weird. Like he benefited from a drop in, in, in the one game where he played 16 snaps and he had a really good play on his other target. So Vikings fans have been pretty high on him. And then they play, and they play him against the Browns um, because of a, a Breland injury uh, illness, I guess, like which they discovered mid game. I'm kind of suspicious about that, right. but uh, um uh, and and he gives up very few yards, but that's because like Baker Mayfield keeps throwing it right at his head. Like, I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game, but Mayfield was awful. Like he's just like inaccurate on these blown coverages from Dantzler where Dantzler was getting beat, I think two or three times and the ball just wasn't getting to Beckham or whoever. So um, I, I don't know what to make of that, but for the most part, it has been a good pass defense. It's been led by a very good pass rush. I think Daniel Hunter um, is playing kind of maybe not to the extreme levels of expectation I, I put on him at the beginning of the preseason, but he's playing at a very high level. Having Everson Griffin in there um, has helped a lot, you know, as hard as that might be to, to believe, um, like a lot. Right. And uh, 
and uh, they've been able to get somewhat of an interior push. Their blitzes have been somewhat successful. So um, there's that. Plus, they just generally happen to be able to shut down half the field, whether that's because Patrick Peterson is playing very well or because they're giving him just the right amount of help on that side of the field. I don't know. Either way, that side of the field is not getting attacked that much. Um, I don't expect Jared Goff to be as inaccurate as Baker Mayfield was on Sunday, but I don't think he's an accurate quarterback right now. No, you got to watch this Baker Mayfield game. Man. It was it was rough. You um, sure about that? I am sure. About Are you that. sure, sure about, about that, that. Arif? Again, I don't think Jared Goff is an accurate quarterback right now. With within within five yards of the line of scrimmage, Jared Goff is very accurate. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, killer short game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> which, short. Which very uh, short game. leads but, to my next question. <laughs> Can, can Minnesota cover tight ends and running backs? If if they're theoretically facing a team with zero wide receivers and a really good tight end and a really good running hey, back. Hey, Quint, catch Quintez is good. I mean, not like great, but he's like good. Sure. Uh, I, I would love four. to see him with like a quarterback. Um, <laughs> but yeah, how, how, how are the Vikings in covering, you know, with their linebackers or safeties? I mean, they've been, they've been pretty reasonable, but like what tight ends have they been asked to cover? Right. Like Max Williams in Arizona. Sure. Um, you know, I like Harrison Bryant, but he's like clearly not the passing offense in Cleveland. Um, you know, Seattle technically has tight ends, but no one ever <laughs> cares. Right. So like, yeah, they shut down yeah. Will Disley. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like um, so far, great. They've done a fantastic job of shutting down tight ends. They've done a reasonable ish job of, of, uh, of running backs and coverage. Eric Hendricks and coverage is very good. Like I mentioned, Nick Vigil is, is a fairly fine coverage defender. Um, if Anthony Barr is playing instead of him, yeah. I don't know. Right. There's some years where he's really good in coverage, especially against tight ends and some years he's not. Um, so we'll see, but, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't have to worry too much about Noah Fant in the preseason. So I don't know that they've played a Hawkinson type player. Right? right. So like, I don't know how much any of that translates, but you know, against receiving backs, you know, they played, you know, Kareem hunt and they played a couple of other receiving backs. Um, they've done all right. Um, I, I would imagine that uh, it's really their ability to force throws to tight ends and running backs that have helped them win more than it is their ability to cover, mm-hmm. um, you know, tight ends and running backs. Well, because, you know, it's just a less efficient throw than to a receiver. Usually like if, if your best receiver isn't like Khalif Raymond or Quinta Cephas, right? Like that's, <laughs> then it's usually more efficient to throw to receivers. Um, so yeah, I, they, they cover them fine, but I don't know that we've tested that like to the degree that we can test it. Uh, before we go to break, uh, no Taylor Decker in this game. Uh, no Frank Rag now. Panay Sewell at this point, we'll just call questionable. We're recording this on Wednesday, and all we know is that God, that's so uh, rough, man. He he didn't practice uh, Wednesday. Um, so why don't since since you've been throwing out some fancy stats, throw out a fancy stat to scare the crap out of Lions fans about the Vikings pass rush. I uh, they've got <laughs> I don't I don't know about a scary stat. They've got one of the highest sack to pressure conversion ratios, which that's it. Uh, that's all I need. If that. <laughs> yeah, if like that's uh but the problem is like for like a real analytics nerd, that's like that's anti-scary because it means that the sacks won't come because right. it's gonna regress. But uh I think for the most part they've got you know pretty good closing speed. I don't know. Uh Daniel Hunter's gotten a fairly reasonable amount of double teams, like his double team rate is whatever. Um it's fairly high compared to to other players, and I think that that's gonna stop once Anthony Barr is there. Um and uh, Daniel Hunter has the best pressure rate within the 2.5 to 2.7 second range that covers five step, seven step drop. So if you're not running a short game, Hunter is very much likely going to get a hit on you. Um, so that's, 
you know, the thing, I think the biggest concern is just a history of Lions pass protection against the Vikings specifically. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Like uh, that's, that would be my concern. Right. Because uh, Matthew Stafford has probably taken as many sacks against the Vikings as he has the rest of the NFC North combined. <laughs> um, now with Jared Not Goff, easily. In there, yeah, right, right. like with Jared <laughs> Goff in there, you know, maybe the curse isn't there, but it's not like he's better at avoiding sacks on similarly timed dropbacks. So, but maybe his best career game was against the Minnesota Vikings. That's true. And, and if you've got a Sean McVay in there, you know, <laughs> oh, crap. I'm pretty worried. I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've got Robert Woods waiting in the wing, you know, I'm concerned, but otherwise, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, uh, is Matt Nelson going to be right tackle again? Oh no. Hold I, on. Well, is, is, so is, is Daniel Hunter primarily, is he, lined up on the right so tackle he switched sides he switches sides a lot more this year but he primarily lines up on the right tackle all right i mean i'm, I'm just so can... glad i'm not watching this game this week is it, is it Matt Nelson? <laughs> oh that's right someone's getting married this weekend uh and and doesn't have to watch a game but to answer your question we don't really know um all we know is the the uh, it's it's either matt nelson moving uh, no i think matt nelson is going to stay on the right no matter what they do I think what yeah. they're they're either going to start. You, you can always trust a Hawkeye offensive line. So. <laughs> True. Great. Good news. Um, th- I think the options for the lines are: do you you, you take Halapuli Vati Vati from right guard, move him to left tackle, where you know? Oh Christ! He he won a Super Bowl <laughs> playing left tackle, Arif. <laughs> <laughs> and protecting Nick Foles, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, and Foles then you bring gets, uh, you bring Logan God. Stenberg potentially up. Uh, to, to start, make his first career start at right guard. If you do that, uh, the other more simple option is to, uh, I can't even remember his name. That's, that's how do you, the, Ryan, can you help me out or do I need to look it up? <laughs> no, you wouldn't hundred percent need to look it up. Jeremy today, today you tweeted out that there are 10 players on the 53 man roster that were not, who yeah. weren't on the original 53 man. Yes. Roster. Will Holden is, is the, the other option. Is that, is that the Vanderbilt guy? I think so. I remember uh, him at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So he, he he's, he's been better in the NFL than he was at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yes, uh, he, he's <laughs> he's jumped around to about eight teams since he went. Yeah, I stand by in the fifth statement. round. Um, but but he, he's made he's made a starter too at left tackle. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, that pass rush looks. Uh, I I would say a little bit better. Ragnow's out too. Christ, man. Ragnow's on IR. They put him on IR this week. Yep. Um. Okay. Uh. Evan At Brown, least Michael Pierce, starting center. In, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Evan he's Brown, been he's been a great pass rusher, by the way, which has shocked the hell out of me. Um, but he's been a great pass rusher. Dalvin Tomlinson, I think he's got like a high PFF grade, but he just doesn't make uh, an impact in the way that you'd expect a good defensive tackle to make. I mean, he does a really good job like closing up running lanes and stuff like that. But they're going to have a lot of Sheldon Richardson who is a good pass rusher, not a great run defender at this stage in his career, but a really good pass rusher. And then we have Armin Watts, who as a nose tackle is a pretty good pass rusher, but gets blown up in the run game. He can also play three technique where you kind of just reverse that. He's a fine three technique run defender, not a great pass rusher, but effective. But, you know, against like uh, Will Holden, I guess. Yeah, and Evan Brown. Has yeah, there, sure. there's some there's some opportunities there. I would say <laughs> Matt <All right>. Nelson. <laughs> Matt Nelson. That's a that's a hunter project. That's all right. All right. Let's get out of this segment. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about more optimistic things like the Lions' defense uh, against two maybe the best wide receiver combo in the league. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back on first bite with Arif Hassan from the Athletic. 
And we are back here on First Bite, previewing the Lions week five game against the Minnesota Vikings with our good friend Arif Hassan from the, uh, I almost said the NFL athletic, just the athletic. I mean, you, you, you do talk about the NFL exclusively, so I think. Yeah, like I don't know anything about other sports. Man. Okay. You, I learned you know, the other day what a home run was. It, <laughs> or what it wasn't. When you single against the Green Monster. I was going to say, you don't do any Timberwolves coverage. It seems like it's nuclear over over in the basketball league. Oh, yeah, we've got a guy that does both, and I haven't seen him at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wasn't at, like, this last week's game. We were just like, yeah, that makes sense. Keep it up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> all right let's get into this week let's talk about the minnesota offense uh i want to i want to ease us into this so let's talk about the running offense first which uh surprisingly um not as good as i expected when i looked at some of the stats like you know delvin cook's fine and his, his overall stats look fine but dvoa they ranked 28th in run offense which uh was curious to me and um i i assume you have an answer for why that is yeah, so uh, I actually I got a direct message the other day. Um, I don't know if like he's okay with me telling who it is. I'm sure it doesn't matter. But uh, he was like, hey, so my rushing yards over expectation model has like Dalvin Cook like really low and Alexander Madison also really low, but higher than him. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Is Dalvin Cook, you know, uh, playing well? Is he playing poorly? What's going on here? And and the thing is, he Dalvin Cook looks looked like Dalvin cook until his ankle injury against the Cardinals. Mm. And now he just doesn't look that explosive. His vision is still there. Uh, his fluidity is still there. His ability to kind of navigate some of these holes is all still there. But it, one of the big elements that he brings to the Vikings and his value versus a lot of other running backs is explosiveness. It's not as extreme as like Derek Henry, where you kind of just need him to be explosive, to be effective, but it's up there, right. In terms of how important explosiveness is to his game. And I haven't seen it um, thus far this year, so or thus far since that injury. Um, so th- there are a lot of big runs being left on the table. And if you take big runs away from Dalvin Cook, he's like kind of whatever. So yeah, his yards per carry is like fine. But you know, when you run on like second and fourteen, you're going to get a couple of yards. So right. um, it's it's really just kind of the the down to down. Um, you know, success based off of what the down and distance should be. The Vikings run in very unusual situations that inflates yards per carry, but doesn't inflate their success rate or anything like that. So that's part of it. Madison actually looks faster than Dalvin Cook, which I never thought I'd see, but he is playing faster this year than he ever has. Uh, and he sh- it's, it should still not be the case. Um, his vision is not nearly as good as Cook's uh, and uh, his fluidity is not quite there. He's um, pretty decent as a running back. I think he's probably one of the top backup running backs, but like that's, if he's your primary back, you're in a, you're in a bad spot. So they didn't have Devin Cook for the Seahawks game. They missed him for a portion of, of this Browns game. Uh, and Madison was in there and he did like fine, which if you run the ball a lot, fine is negative. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that it's all there. The run blocking has been pretty spotty. There are some games where you feel like it's, it's through the roof. They're doing a great job. Ezra Cleveland does a good job getting to the second level. Uli Udo is like, wild at how good he is like for somebody who played tackle at elon um like a seventh round pick they just moved him to guard not even at the beginning of the offseason like right before training camp and he just took to it um his biggest issues are like communication and picking up stunts which is a pass protection issue more than it is a run blocking issue so um he's been he's been pretty good at that element brian o'neill has been a better run blocker than i've ever seen him i wish he could maintain that level in pass protection because that's primarily what he's supposed to be good at and what he's known for but he's been a really good run blocker as well and Rashad Hill is playing above what I would expect. 
He's a backup tackle I, like <laughs> who specializes in pass protection. That, that sounded very much like a uh, backhanded compliment there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a bad game for the Vikings offensive line last week. So I just, my, the level of my ability to like concretely, I, I, the piece I just published at the athletic was, this is, was a historically bad game for the Vikings yep. offensive line. Right. Um, I have covered some of the worst offensive lines the NFL has produced since 2010, right? <laughs> like the 2015 and 2016 offensive lines were catastrophically bad for the Vikings. Like worse than, you know, some of the Chargers offensive lines we've seen worse than some of the Lions offensive lines that we've seen. Um, like I've covered like some atrociously yeah. bad offensive lines where TJ Clemmings was one of the high points, right? Right. Like it's bad. And this game that they had against the Browns is the only game in like the past five years where at least two offensive linemen gave up five pressures. Like that doesn't happen, right? Like in a heavily pressured game, it's usually the quarterbacks holding onto the ball too long, running backs screwing up, tight ends screwing up. A bunch of people are giving up three. One offensive lineman gives up 10. Two offensive linemen give up at least eight pressures in this game. And then the other ones gave up three, two, two. Uh, Alexander Madison gave up two. Tight end gave up two. Uh, Kirk Cousins held onto the ball too long for two. One was just a, a blitz on a screen that you don't have to blame anyone for. Like, it was just nuts, right? So right. Uh, catastrophically bagging for the up. So I'm trying to, like, wash that out of my brain and evaluate the season as a whole. Right. And it's getting kind of difficult. So uh, well, I don't expect that against the Lions. Yeah, and, and we I feel like we had this exact same conversation last week with the Bears because they were just coming off the Browns. I mean, the Browns will just do that to you, I think. I think that's Evidently. part of it, is, is the Browns will just make you look like the worst offensive line in the league. We were talking about how the, the Bears were maybe one of the worst offensive lines in the league last week. And then, of course, they, they come out and they run for like 100 yards in the first half against the Lions. Um, so I'm interested to see how that matchup plays out this week because I do think the lines are probably better than they were last week against the run, but there's obviously a lot of issues there as well. Um, get Christian Dersaw, we we're not going to expect him to play nah, left tackle, right? No, okay. he's had like a week and a day of practice. And I mean, period. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like he's not practiced all off season, except for like two days, no TAs. Um, you practiced all last week. Great. I don't, we're not going to see him. Okay. Just wanted to make sure there. Yeah. I, Sorry, Arif mentioned like, you know, giving up a ton of pressures. And I'm like, hey, Lions gave up nine pressures last week from their two tackles. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so segue back talking about uh, the Vikings offense um, in terms of what they have like on, on the outside outside. So like obviously they lose Irv Smith Jr., which seems like it's a kind of a big blow to their receiving game. You know, we'll get to the receivers here in a second. But um, how have they been able to supplement what they do at tight end. I know that Chris Herndon, um, they also got, uh, I'm totally blanking on um, the rest of their names because I'm so adequate right now, but um, Tyler Conklin is Tyler Conklin's really big in the run game. Ben Ellison. Um, Those guys seem to be more primarily like run blockers versus, you know, um, Chris Herndon playing this kind of, uh, you know, pseudo receiver tight end kind of deal. But um, what, what have they lost with Irv Smith jr. And have they been able to, kind of, I don't know, do what they need to do at tight end. Yeah. Um, I think actually Tyler Conklin has been a really pleasant surprise from that respect. What's interesting is that coming out of college, Tyler Conklin was only a receiving tight end and he had to learn a lot of blocking. Um, and he was actually fairly bad at blocking uh, up until very recently. He's had a very good season thus far as a blocker. He's still, I would say a plus receiver. He doesn't have the athleticism to like really threaten you like a Kelsey or a Kittle or even an Irv Smith. Um, 
or a Hawkinson or a fan, right? Like he's not athletic enough to be considered a tight end threat, but he's a very good receiver. Um, he runs good routes. He's got great hands. He's a big red zone threat in theory. Um, a reliable Smith, guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's kind of like, hey, the Vikings lost Kyle Rudolph, who's going to be kind of the next Kyle Rudolph. And from a role perspective, you'd expect it to be Irv Smith. But functionally, what they do, it's really more of a Tyler Conklin, except he can block and Rudolph can't. Um, so they ask him to a lot, but yeah. Can't. Um, Irv Smith also a really shockingly good blocker. So so good of a blocker that the Vikings like four games in were like, yeah, we didn't expect this. He's such a good blocker. I honestly I would like to say that we scouted that and saw that, but no, we didn't. He's just really good at this. Um, but uh, which is cool, I guess. Sure. Uh, but he's not a red zone guy, and so uh, you know, he's like six. He's supposed to be a Jordan Reed essentially, um, and so uh, not having that element. They're really lucky that KJ Osborne, who's a receiver, not a tight end, can take over in three receiver sets instead of two tight end sets and be a really good receiver as a third receiver, which is the first time they've had it since like, I don't know, like Jake Reed. Like they don't have good third receivers. Like it's been a bit. Um, yeah, BB is not not picking up the slack. Uh, no, never does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's really good, and he also it turns out he's just insanely tough, and so he's he's very willing to be like a, a really good blocker and stuff like that too. So um, they're replacing it in combination with with Conklin and Osborne. Herndon is like kind of just not seeing the field very often, so they're probably just kind of disappointed. Ben Ellison basically arrived the same day as Herndon, and he's out snapping him. But it turns out, and I hate saying this because he's an NDSU alum but he's really good uh, at like what specifically he does, which I guess is only blocking. I don't think I've seen him run a route much less get a target, but he's like pretty good at blocking. So he, he, he's got that. Um, and, uh, and Herndon, uh, I was talking to some jets writers and it's just like, yeah, he's supposed to be a receiving tight end, but he's like not good at that anymore. But you know, sometimes he can block if he feels like it. And I'm like that, is that a worth a fourth round pick? And they're like, yeah, we don't think so, but you know, the Vikings do. So yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't seen the field. So, okay. Yeah. Well, we're transitioning into the pass offense here. It sounds like, so we got to bring up Kirk cousins name. Um, and it MVP seems like it's been in Kirk cousins. What's that MVP candidate. Kirk yeah. That, that's what I was going to say through three weeks, MVP candidate <laughs> through, three, yeah, through three weeks. Yeah. And then last week happened. And like, like we mentioned that the Browns defense seems to be just destroying people right now. Uh, what first off and, and, <laughs> maybe this means nothing, but where are our Vikings fans at with Kirk cousins? And then where are you at with Kirk cousins? Cause I imagine there might not be the same. Yeah. yeah. Vikings fans right now are a little bit higher on cousins than I am right oh, now. Oh, Okay. Cousins is playing very well. Let me put this yeah. out there. Yeah. I am not low on him relative to starting quarterbacks in the NFL mm-hmm. or even relative to his salary. He's currently maybe for the first time outplaying his salary. Right. So, that's where I am right (laughs) now. He's playing like a top eight, seven kind of guy. Right. When I say top eight, I really just mean he's like the eighth best quarter. He's really what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) A top eight, maybe a top seven guy. What are you saying? Where's he he right? He's top eight, but he's not one through seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah. So he's playing at a really high level. His numbers were nuts, right? Like his EPA numbers, his passer rating numbers, um, not yards per attempt, but uh, all, all of those numbers were, were really high. And they're playing in what might be the first short strike offense that Cousins has had in a long time. He's getting rid of the ball faster than he ever has before. It's part of the reason that in the first three games, they weren't seeing that much pressure. And that's one of the reasons, actually, that the Browns game was a historically bad offensive line performance because Cousins was still getting rid of the ball 
in like 2.38 seconds. He was getting rid of the ball lightning quick and he still got like blasted, right? Like I've never seen that. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, but yeah, he's getting rid of the ball really quick, but it means that his like depth of target is low. He's not going for many explosives. He actually went for a couple more explosives in the Browns game and that those actually kind of worked out. So it would have been nice to see more. He's not doing play action passing all that much, which is his bread and butter. Um, but it's a lot of it is just like he is being helped in a huge way by the offense they're running and the receivers that they have where you can't really give him most of the credit on a lot of these throws for how much they gain. Like it's a lot of yap or it's a great contested catch or whatever. Um, but he's throwing short and he's throwing really efficiently. Um, and so he's playing very, very well, but I just like people were arguing with me that he's an MVP candidate right now. And I was like, have you, have you seen, sorry, but have you seen Matt Stafford play this year or have you seen Kyler Murray play this year? Right? Like you can't call him an MVP candidate and not watch those guys play and, and see what they're doing. Um, but, you know, he's playing really well and he's playing better than he did last year. But the Vikings are like one and three. And so it's like very weird to talk about it this way. 12, 12 years in the NFC North and you're still calling him Matt Stafford. Sorry, Matthew Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, just for clarification purpose, we're, we're saying MVP, not NVP. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, my strong belief is that. Uh, that uh, Josh Allen will be hurt during a wild card game and Trubisky has to play and he will win the MVP again <laughs> this year. I, I, I love that prediction. Speaking of predictions, we're going to go right to our last Great part of the, the podcast here, which we call the one thing we think we know where we make a prediction. And Ryan, I don't know if you know this, but and I don't know how you did, but I I won my one thing. I think I know last week when I when I picked. I, I mean, it was it was easy. I picked the under in the in the Lions Bears game, and they they definitely went under forty two in that game. Um, nice. How did you do? Do you remember how you did? Uh, you know, I I vaguely remember me picking somebody to get their first NFL <clears throat> first uh, head coaching victory for the Detroit Lions, but that's oh. fine. <clears throat> that's fine. Um, We're not down on Campbell, right? Like, no rules to me. I I would say most people in Detroit are actually still very, very much high on him. Fantastic. The the only, he's faced a little bit of criticism for his in-game decisions in the last two weeks, but I'm actually almost fully with him. I thought he, he, he turtled a little bit in that Ravens game, but that's, that's for another podcast. Um, So, all right. So the one thing you think, you know, we, we make a prediction, uh, about any aspect of this game doesn't have to be winner. Doesn't have to be score. It can just be anything you think is going to happen. So Ryan, you always get the honors first. So what is the one thing you think, you know, about lions Vikings week five? One thing I think I know, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but uh, a, a better on Caesar sports book bet $500,000 on the Vikings minus the spread. Which is what, Seems seven? like a great bet. I wish that I had that kind of money, but I'm just going to walk my little victory lap right now. I'm getting married this weekend, so the one thing I think I know is that I am so glad that I don't have to watch this bullshit <laughs> because, my goodness, this is going to be a rout. I would be surprised if the Lions keep this within three touchdowns. Wow. Interesting. Wow. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. The one thing we didn't really talk about much is the the Vikings receivers against the Lions DBs, and that was probably on purpose for for, for our sake because dude, these that, receivers rule. Oh my god. Yeah, they're, they're pretty so good. good. And the Lions DBs. I mean, the Lions is Okuda pro- healthy? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. He tore his Achilles. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> ruptured his Achilles. <laughs> ruptured. That's out of terror. That's wow. It's technically. Uh, hey, Tracy uh, Walker. That's I like that guy. The the Lions are almost certainly, I think, at this point, going to start undrafted rookie Jerry Jacobs. Uh, in this so game, there's multiple undrafted rookie <clears throat> cornerbacks. Yes, yeah. AJ Parker yeah. is the nickel. Uh, Bobby Price, the converted safety turned cornerback, has just been a disaster in the past. So he two played weeks. like a converted safety turned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jerry. Jacobs, yeah. Darnell yeah. Mooney had a pretty good game. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Arif, you're going to get the next uh, crack at this. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions? Uh, is out, right? Okora is also which one? as well. Which yeah, one? Okay, yeah. Julian is healthy, right? Julian is healthy. Okay. Julian is healthy and he is ready to play 12 snaps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, the one thing I think I know is that the Vikings will return to the passing attack of the last two uh, regimes, which includes a bunch of play action and a bunch of deep shots. I'm willing to bet that they will attempt at least um, seven passes over 20 yards. Um, most of them off of play action, which they just haven't been doing this year. So, well, so that's wild, right? Like, like you just mentioned, like Kirk Cousins and this quick strike offense. Yeah. Like, that seems to be like totally against the grain. Yeah, but that's what they did the previous two years. That they were a really slow, uh, you know, off the ball, and then really deep shots. Like that's what they did, and that's why this year is so weird. I think part of it is because they were so used to seeing teams. Uh, drag a defensive end uh, to attack the quarterback on bootlegs. And frankly, I don't see the Lions doing that. So uh, I, I think that because they'll be focused on defending the run, right? Uh, and, and that's why I asked about Akora. And because I don't know that they've got the kind of edge rushers that have the ability to pivot quickly from attacking to the run to attacking the quarterback in the bootleg, that it's going to be there. Uh, and that Jefferson can win deep against whoever, and Thielen can win deep against whoever, and then Osborne can win deep against whoever, and Tyler Conklin can like hang out with the linebackers and have some fun. Oh, yeah, that made me sad. Uh, the the one thing I think I know, I'm going to go a little bold here. I think this is going to be a one score game in the, going into the fourth quarter. I think I think lines are going to run the ball somewhat successfully in this game. Um, I think the Vikings might too, That's honestly, yeah. but um, you know, uh, the the game plan here is the same as, as it's been for the first four weeks. It, it's, you know, do these long and, and the lines have really been successful at, on offense with these long drives, these 10, 12, 14 play drives. Uh, obviously last week that the problem was that they didn't capitalize on any of them in the red zone. Um, but even, even the process of stretching that out, I mean, they were, they were getting worked by the bears and they were only down 14, nothing at halftime in that game. So I, I see something maybe similar happening in this game. The lines stretching out possessions, limiting plays in general and, and, and just keeping it close for a while. But you know, I, I'm kind of with a reef there too, as well. Like this lines team is, is probably going to get gashed on a couple of big plays uh, through the air. Uh, if, if the Vikings are smart and I, I tend to think their coaching staff is a little bit smart, certainly smarter than the one we saw last week. Yeah, that's fair. Are they smarter than Arif Hassan? Because that would make them way too smart for this yeah. podcast. <laughs> then, then I would agree with you. Blow up. 100% yeah. blow up. <laughs> Arif, thanks for joining us today. Uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you and maybe some things that Lions fans might be interested in reading over at The Athletic. Sure. Yeah, you can head over to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash author slash Arif dash Hassan. I don't know why I ever do that, but I do it all the time. <laughs> um, that way you could click on my articles, and if you subscribe, I get credit for it. So do that. Um, but yeah, I, I have a piece on the lions, uh, or sorry, the Vikings, um, 
uh, a horrible play against the Browns. And then the week prior, I published a piece about how great the offensive coordinating was for the Vikings. Um, so don't read both pieces and don't think about how they interact with each other. I would appreciate that. And then find me on Twitter at Arifasan NFL. Uh, I tweet a lot of things. I fight a lot on Twitter. Uh, everyone has fun and nobody is annoyed by that. 100%. Twitter is the most harmonious place on the earth. Yeah. Uh, and with that, thank you for listening, everybody. That has been First Bite. We will be back after the game with your post-game show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. We'll do our post-game podcast, which will be up on the podcast platforms, on Twitch, on our YouTube page, all that sort of stuff. Be sure to follow us all there if you want video, if you want audio. It's all available for you. But until next time, thank you for watching us. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>